Um, the, uh, the topic of this evening is uh, man's wealth, or uh, to, to use the synonymous term, uh, money. Uh, but you will find, I think, uh, as I discovered in my, in my research and in my preparation during the week, uh, that though the, the message is entitled Man's Wealth and has to do with the subject of money, uh, will sort of be a sermon that is about money without actually being about money. Uh, I discovered as I prepared, the, similar to what we found a couple of weeks ago with the topic of, of speech, uh, that speech really is only the, the fruits, uh, with self-control really being the foundational principle uh, with which we ought to exercise speech. Uh, and there's a, a couple of similar principles that I think we'll find as we approach this topic of man's wealth and money. Uh, so the, the topic of wealth and what we do with it uh, is one that is, is much needed, uh, in my mind at least. Uh, and by the sheer number of verses in, in Proverbs that address the topic, as well as, of course, other places, uh, we can see that it is a topic that the Bible, uh, and hence God, is not shy about. Uh, and yet it is one that requires great care in forming our theology and practice around. Uh, and of course, let me say it at the top, needless to say, uh, this message is not going to be an exhaustive message on exactly what we ought to do with wealth, finance, money, uh, but hopefully it will be useful to us nonetheless. Uh, so it is a topic that requires uh, great care in forming our theology and practice around because of the, uh, the abuses uh, of the, the prosperity gospel, health and wealth teaching, uh, because of the dangers that exist so readily in being enticed by riches, uh, and of course, I, I speak to a people and I myself am a person who lives in the midst of a very materialistic, money-driven culture. And so if we are to be people who live under Christ's reign, this Christ who has all authority in heaven and on earth, who owns everything, who owns all money, we could say, uh, then we want to make sure that we form our theology and our practice rightly around these things. And we can say that uh, in, uh, in complement to all of this, that the topic of, of finance, wealth, money is something that is particularly important because uh, everybody here, perhaps with the exception of uh, the most infant of infants, uh, have to do with money. You all have money, you use it, you earn it. Uh, you will all have some interaction with money uh, very, very frequently. So hence, uh, it behoves us to make sure that we are using it and that we are forming our opinions on it rightly. And so, uh, three points, back to a three-point message today um, on this topic. Firstly, do not make money your aim in labor. Secondly, quick and big money will go as quick, sorry, quick and big money will go as quickly as it came, whereas money from diligent labor will increase. And lastly, be generous. Uh, so let me pray as we, as we enter into the main body of the sermon. Uh, Lord, as I uh, have thought earlier in the week, and certainly now as I come to, to preach this message, may we, as I have saying, be careful and discerning as we consider our theology and practice of money. Bless me as I preach to preach well, uh, and bless, Lord, uh, all of us listening to understand well, uh, and to uh, amend, to, to accept, to challenge, to do what is right in accordance with your word. 
uh, on this important topic. May we not be enticed by money, Lord, uh, and have a, a right theology and practice surrounding it. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first, uh, first topic, do not make money your aim in labor. Uh, turn with me, if you will, to, to Proverbs chapter 23. And while you get there, uh, Nikki Gumbel, who some of you may or may not know, uh, the, the founder of the Alpha course, the sort of introduction to Christianity course that started in, uh, in Britain uh, and had Bear Grylls as the face of it for some time. Maybe it still does, I don't know. Um, he has this anecdote or this sort of joke that he tells uh, in, the, in the original uh, videos of it. And this is neither an endorsement nor an unendorsement for the Alpha course. I can't remember enough of it to give one. Uh, but he has this anecdote that he tells about a, a wealthy person who gets to heaven and uh, proudly shows God uh, all of his money. He says, you know, during my life, I earned a million pounds. Here it is, all sitting in a pile, to which God responds, wow, we can play Monopoly in heaven. And what is the, the point of this, this silly illustration? Uh, money in itself is a poor, pun intended, uh, is a, a poor thing to pursue as a focus. In itself, it will have about as much worth eternally as Monopoly money has here on earth. If you've tried to do your grocery shopping with Monopoly money, you will find that it has little to no worth outside of the actual game uh, of Monopoly. Uh, but Proverbs chapter 23, verses 4 and 5 say the following. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Do not toil to acquire wealth, writes the writer here. Be discerning enough to desist. If you do make money your focus in this way, if you focus on it as opposed to some of the good fruits and attitudes of it, it will sprout wings flying like an eagle toward heaven. Now, some of this may be uh, because of your undue focus upon money. If money is a focus and I strive to obtain it, there's a pretty high chance that I'm never going to be satisfied with how much I have. Uh, when asked the question of how much money is enough, most people respond with just a little bit more. We're rarely content with how much we have currently. But what I, I really want us to zero down on is in our toil and earning of money, if it is money or rather other fruits thereof that are our focus. Jesus, perhaps ringing in your ears, Jesus exhorts us in Matthew 6 not to lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, he says, there your heart will be also. And so heaven and heavenly things ought to be where our treasure, where our focus, where our striving and where our toil, where our delight are toward. The German theologian uh, Johann Bengel notes on this subject, though, that faith does not set aside natural duties, but strengthens them. Again, we readily accept, I hope, that uh, Jesus is Lord of heaven 
and earth. And so uh, to, to relegate the things of the earth to other than Jesus is, is a mistaken theology. And so hence it is reasonable to say that if our, our toil is to acquire wealth, if that is the goal of our toil, uh, for, for the purpose and goal of wealth alone, something being strangely missing from the solas of the Reformation, then we have pursued the wrong route. The important nuance, though, the consideration that we ought to make, is that we will toil, or we won't eat, according to Paul in 2 Thessalonians. And with this toil, we will oftentimes earn wealth. We will earn money. But if money is our goal, as I say, wrong way, go back, do not go this route. Our goal and the thing that has currency with God, to do a play on words, is to be the pursuit of the kingdom of God within our God-given roles. And hence, just as one example, Tracy's toil at home, which does not acquire material wealth, is just as valuable as my toil outside of the home that does. I, I almost dare to say that it is more valuable, but I don't want to overstate the matter too much. Nonetheless, these things both have currency in the kingdom of God, and therefore we are to pursue these things with diligence. The toiling is not the thing that is in question in Solomon's charge. Rather, it is the object and goal of our toil. And so, do not toil to acquire wealth. Do not make wealth, uh, money, capital, the goal of your toil. For if you do, suddenly, it will sprout wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. But do toil, laboring hard for the kingdom of God, that which has currency to the Lord, working heartily as for the Lord, as Paul writes. And though the, the feminists may not like this line, uh, for many, especially men, this toil will produce an income. But don't make the income your goal. Rather, the provision for, for wife and family, the ability to be generous, especially within the church, the ability to be hospitable, the ability to provide an inheritance for your children's children, etc., etc. Make these things, to the glory of God, your goal, as opposed to money, wealth in and of itself. And so in short, before we go into the next point, in short, work hard, not for money, but for God, Make him your focus and gain in your labor. Second point. Quick and big money will go as quickly as it came, whereas money from diligent labor will increase. Turn back to, to Proverbs 13, verse 11. Proverbs 13, 11 says, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. I think we can say that it holds anecdotally uh, that there are often those who uh, win things like lotteries or perhaps receive large legal payouts uh, who not all that long after find themselves in much the same, if not worse, a position than they were prior to obtaining that large sum of money. Uh, one article uh, that I did some, some research on during the week, uh, one article on previous lottery winners uh, talked about a couple who won the lottery, bought an expensive home, uh, bought a Porsche, went on overseas holidays, the whole deal, uh, only to have a, a fire that gutted their home, which regrettably was underinsured, 
uh, and I think there were subsequently marital problems and all of the rest. They, they were in much the same, if not worse, a problem than they were prior to coming into that large sum of money. Uh, similarly, another lady from Ontario who was on welfare uh, won $10 million in a lottery and did many of the same things just mentioned. Uh, and within a decade was back, in her own words, riding the bus, working part-time, and living in a rented house. Uh, she was in much the same, if not worse, a position than she was prior to the 10 million. Uh, thankfully for her, she did put some of the money away for her six children in, a, in trust funds, so at least she did that well. Uh, however, even in giving these stories, uh, what I want us to keep in mind here is not so much that quick and big money will go as quickly as it came, uh, but rather the, the latter consideration, but rather to, to learn and appreciate the goodness of constant and God-glorifying labor. And to that end, I would recommend to you the, the Doug Wilson book, Productivity, if you haven't listened to it or read it already. Uh, but the one gathering wealth little by little, as it says in that verse that we read, is he who works diligently. Tracy and I, in our own series through Proverbs prior to bed, uh, recently read Proverbs 28.20, which says, A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. I think the implication, this person who hastens to be rich, uh, perhaps does so by unjust gain. Uh, but the faithful man will abound in blessings. Blessings perhaps including uh, money, but certainly not limited to the same. As you work diligently, faithfully and wisely earning a regular wage, in general, keeping in mind, once again, we're dealing with proverbs that speak of general truths. In general, you will gather little by little. Such a way of operating in life will oftentimes, though not always, increase in wealth. And as I've said dozens of times before, that if you live in God's world and operate in God's ways, life for you will work. It will be blessed. You, you live, uh, you're playing according to the rules, as it were. Now, of course, the caveat is perhaps uh, important to say that this is, once again, oceans away from saying that God will magically increase your bank account and is rather to say that the kind of living that is commanded by God will result in blessing, among which may well be money. Proverbs 21.20, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. And so once again, the thing to learn and focus upon is not so much uh, money and wealth in and of itself as, subjects, as the subjects rather surrounding money. God desires those who are faithful and diligent in labor, whether that earns a wage or otherwise. And so introspectively, how do you fit in with this charge? Turn to, uh, to Proverbs 19, verse 17. And this will be for our, our final subject of the evening, uh, to, to be generous. Proverbs 19, 17 says, uh, whoever is generous to the poor lends to Yahweh, and he will repair him, sorry, repay him rather, uh, for his deed. God loves a cheerful giver, we learn from 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Uh, and this being in the context of Paul and his companions gathering from the Corinthians uh, for an offering to be given to those Christians in Jerusalem. 
we learn also from the next verse in that chapter that God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Perhaps complementary to the latter half of the verse from Proverbs, whoever is generous to the poor lends to Yahweh and he will repay him for his deed. God will bless the one who is generous to the poor explicitly, but who is generous. And it seems from that verse, Proverbs 19, 17, that this particular poor person is so because of some genuine difficulty of life or disadvantage, as opposed to due to their own laziness or sin. And hence God says that we should be generous to them. Uh, and even that we will receive back from him. Uh, Such a generosity, uh, and maybe this comes across to you as controversial, I don't know, uh, but such a generosity should not, for example, be extended to the lazy person who who refuses to labor to provide for his needs. As I alluded to before, Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Such an individual's hunger may well be the very means that the Lord would use in order to draw that person to repentance, to feed their belly, to to work for themselves in order to earn money and not mooch off others, as it were. Such a man as this is poor by his own making and ought to receive tough love, as it were, and prayer rather than generosity in the form of of money or food, etc. On the other hand, uh, there are to use a a specific example, which I think has a more broadly applicable principle. In 1 Timothy 5, Paul speaks of widows who are truly widows, i.e. those who are in a place of poverty because of some legitimate disadvantage uh, or vulnerability. Uh, And these should absolutely receive generosity. Uh, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to Yahweh, and he will repay him for his deed. And so in the first instance, uh, such generosity ought to come from one's own family. Uh, And where this is not possible, as we learn from 1 Timothy 5, uh, it ought to come from the church. And what a a glorious body that would be to be in. So to conclude, uh, much more uh, could be said on this topic. And as I said, this is a a truly inexhaustive message on the the subject of wealth and money, etc. But suffice it to say that Christians are to be a generous people, with money for sure, uh, and also in other ways. Now, generosity should be extended, especially within the body of Christ, uh, with some uh, relatively rare caveats on who may be excluded from such generosity. Secondly, uh, we are to be those who labor diligently, faithfully, heartily as unto the Lord, increasing little by little as we do so. And to summarize the first point, uh, we ought to have the kingdom of God as our focus in our labor, not any earthly reward.